those disappointments God was using to rearrange and make other appointments in our lives. When he opened the parlor door, there were radical Islamic Boko Haram people with AK-47s. Even doctors in the hospital left him for dead, but God had another plan for him. David had asked him, Father, did you forgive those guys that shot you in the face? And his father said, yes, son, I did forgive them. A faithful Christian shot in the face and left for dead. Christian women kidnapped by Boko Haram and told to deny their faith in Christ or else. This week on VOM Radio, we'll take a trip to northern Nigeria, one of the most difficult places in the world to be a follower of Christ. We'll hear about suffering and we'll hear about miraculous healing and victorious faith. Faith that even allows believers to forgive those who attack them and slaughter their families. Join us for these encouraging stories right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Welcome again to our studio here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and to the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. We are visiting today uh, with Ray and Denise Thorne. Uh, Ray Thorne is a name that many of our listeners, if you've been familiar with VOM for a long time, you will have heard Ray, you'll have heard him speak, maybe you heard him talk about Sudan or Pakistan or uh, one of the other countries where he's worked for a number of years with the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, but Ray and Denise are here together today, and they have a pretty amazing story of how God brought them together. And Denise, I want to start with you because uh, you talked a little bit this morning about disappointment and how God works through disappointment. So maybe just share a little bit of your story and a little bit of how God brought you and Ray together and now serving his kingdom together. It is an amazing story when I think about it. Um, I was a single missionary in Brazil for many years, and like most women as a teenager, I thought about being married and, and having children. And as time passed, you soon realize that your own plans are different than what God brings into your life. And so you wait upon God to have him do his purposes, complete his purposes and do his will in your life. And I prayed for many years for a husband on the mission field. I had the privilege of seeing couples work together, and that was very attractive to me. God knew that that was a that was in my heart to serve the Lord with a husband. So as we wait upon God, there are disappointments in our lives. And for both Ray and me, those disappointments occurred in April of 2011. He lost his wife to Lou Gehrig's disease after 30 years of marriage. That same month, I had a broken engagement. And so those were little deaths of dreams and desires that we had 
I had to come to the terms of realizing that those disappointments God was using to rearrange and make other appointments in our lives. And one of those main appointments would be two years later meeting Ray and um, spending time with him, hearing his heart, knowing that he loves God, loves his word, he loves people, and he's very ministry-oriented, and um, seeing God allow our love story to blossom and bloom. So it's been very exciting, and now we've been married six months, and we're um, actively serving the Lord in not only here in the United States, but in other parts of the world, and um, most recently in Nigeria. You talked about God's timing and about waiting on Him uh, did you always wait patiently, or did it, were there times when you were rather impatient? You know, I have to confess and probably say um, I was impatient, and I can't say that I did it all correctly, but God was merciful, and I think God knew my heart. And yes, there were times of testings and times of trial and, and tears, but God always brought me to the point, do I believe Him? Do I believe His Word? And um I would have to say, yes, Lord, I believe your word, even though I don't understand everything right now. So the joy of it all is to see from this perspective how it's working together for his good and his greater purposes, when at the time I couldn't see that. I couldn't even imagine these things. Let's talk a little bit about what we say to people, because you talked about disappointments, and I think that's something all of us can identify with. Well, that that didn't work out. That didn't happen the way I wanted it to. Uh, God, where were you? Sometimes we say, God, where were you in that situation? And I think our persecuted brothers and sisters deal with that too, that disappointment. God, how could you let my spouse be killed? How could you let my parents be killed? What do you say to people and, and really our listeners who maybe have had a disappointment? Maybe they're struggling to wait at, to be at the good end where they look back and say, oh, yeah, that's what God was doing. What do you say to encourage them to hang on? I think I would encourage them to trust the Lord and His Word above any feelings or emotions that they may have. Because quite honestly, we may go through this life and not um, have our questions answered or see from a purely um, human physical mindset, seeing the good come out of those. But we do have to keep our mind and our eyes set on eternity, knowing that God will make all things right. In my case, I've had the privilege to see good come out of my waiting. But I know that sometimes, even as Hebrew says, um, people through faith, they faced death, they faced persecutions, and then others went through the persecution. And so it's all a part of God's sovereignty, but it's trusting Him no matter what. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Ray, it's great to have you back at VOM. And uh, tell me about Nigeria, because you've been in Pakistan, you've been in Sudan, you've been a lot of places, but you had not previously been to Nigeria. So how is it different? How is it the same uh, as, as what you've seen in some of those other places that you've been to? Nigeria was a complete surprise for me. Like you said, I've worked in some of the most difficult regions of the world, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iraq. But when we arrived in Nigeria, our first encounter was 
almost 60 widows who have had their husbands slaughtered by Boko Haram, this radical Islamic group. And just the overwhelming um, reality, as we're sitting here, all of these women have the same thing in common. Their husbands were either shot or slaughtered, cut in the neck and bled out uh, with a knife or a machete. And just to see the... uh, the persecution at that very raw level. We were just taken back, like with just a sense of, wow, this is, this is way more than anybody can even realize. This is huge. I think one of the things about Nigeria is finally, with the kidnapping of all those girls, the world sort of paid attention for the first time to Boko Haram, to what they've been doing for years. Uh, But finally, now people pay attention. Um, You talk about people being slaughtered and just just expand on that a little bit, because, you know, sometimes slaughtered is an overused word. But when it comes to northern Nigeria, slaughtered is the appropriate word for the killing and the destruction that's going on. The first testimony that just rocked my world um, there was a young woman that had been abducted by Boko Haram, taken to one of their camps. And um, there were many other, I think there were over 50 other girls. She was made to watch as each one of those girls had their throats cut open and deny Christ. And she watched over 50 of them with their throats cut, they were being slaughtered. And then they came to her and they said, you deny your faith or what you just witnessed will happen to you. Now, that's an amazing thing to even read. Nonetheless, watch and see that happen to brothers and sisters in Christ that she probably knew they were Christians. And, you know, the reality of it is some of them do deny their faith in Christ. Others don't. But nonetheless, they were slaughtered. And um, just that one testimony alone has left me like with a new sense of a new sense of prayer, a new sense of urgency for this country. I know, Denise, two of the ladies you met were abducted by Boko Haram and did deny their faith at knife point under threat after being abused they said fine I'll be a Muslim just please leave me alone you met with them and talk a little bit about that of their their state of mind and what you found when you went into the room with those two ladies I grew up in a home where um, it was very common for different family members to give one another a foot massage and with some oils. And so that was a way that my family would show that we love one another. And there's something about healthy touches. All of us need healthy touches. So as I was thinking about my Nigeria trip, I had been praying and said, Lord, can I have the ministry of feet washing and and, and massaging um, the feet of these ladies who have suffered so much and and give them some healthy touch. And so I had my sister praying alongside 
with me, and I had shared that desire of mine. And so throughout our trip in Nigeria, we would meet with women under trees outside, but there was never an opportunity to really have that feet-washing ministry that I had wanted and prayed about until that day that we met these two women. We were in a small hotel room, and so I was able to have um, brought in a, a bowl of water and a towel and some oil. And I, I had to ask them, I said, can I do something for you that the Lord Jesus did for his disciples' feet? Would you allow me to um, wash your feet? And they said, yes, we will. And that was just a sweet way to begin the conversation of sitting there and then listening to their testimony and their story. And and honestly, as you hear these things, I sat there and said, Lord, what what do I say to these women? It's hard to know as they, they talked about the grief they had in their denial. And it was interesting because when the Holy Spirit convicts and he moves, you know it in a very clear way. And as I was asking for guidance, it was like the Holy Spirit said, share the story about Peter and how he denied Christ. And little did I know, our team leader who was sitting in the room, he was looking at his Bible and he was trying to find the same scriptures. (laughs) But I was able to um, share those scriptures. And it was just so fitting being able to tell these women, you're not alone. You're not the first woman or the first individual who has experienced this. Peter denied Christ, but even so, he repented and the Lord used him in a mighty way. And so my purpose was to give them hope in knowing that they could too receive forgiveness and God could also use them in mighty ways like he did Peter. But it was a moment where you knew the Spirit was leading, and He uses His Word in a very real and practical way. And how did they receive that? Uh, What was different after the conversation than before? Well, it was amazing to see really the transformation in the ladies. Um, When they first came into our room, they were very sad. Um, They wouldn't look at us in the eyes, just sort of downtrodden like a, a burden was there. But by the time they left, we were actually smiling, looking at one another. There was just peace and an, um, an uplifting spirit was present. Talk a little bit about the connection as a woman ministering to women, because I think uh, particularly in an Islamic context, in a there are some differences in how men and women can interact, uh, and yet you're there as a woman meeting widows, meeting other women, and I think— I think there's just more of a connection. And can you, did you sense that? And can you talk a little bit about that? Ray's nodding his head. He says, maybe you want to talk first, Ray, and then we'll have Denise talk. Going back to our marriage and the the plan that God has, I've always desired to have a ministry partner come with me and serve with me with the persecuted church. Because so often those who are martyred are the men. Those who are killed for their faith are the men and the ones left, are the widows that have watched, observed, and have uh, felt the pain of losing their husband or pastor, whoever he was. When you carry this type of uh, burden, this type of ministry that you desire to see the women touched, to watch Denise minister the way she did was such a huge blessing. Uh, our team leader and I, we just wept. 
as we watched her do this. And I believe that there is such a need for more women to interface with women as we uh, travel the earth into persecuted areas to meet the needs of the trauma, the, the, the hurt, the pain, the loss. And women can best do that with other women. They can do something. I could pray for them. I can cry with them, but I can't hold them and, and do the soft touches that another woman can do. So for me, it was like seeing God with skin, you know, as she ministered to these women. It was very powerful. Do you want to add anything to that? Well, I would say that as a woman, woman, we do minister in different ways. And we, we see that, um, especially in a Muslim country, when there is a distinction between the males and the females there. And not only that, but, you know, women like to talk. They, they like to be listened to. They like to, they just like to interact with other women. I think that's the way God has designed women. We need other women in our lives. And so it, there is a difference sharing with another woman than even with a man. So it's great to be a part of a team where we can minister together. If he's sharing the word, I can be praying. If I'm sharing the word, he can be praying and we can interact that way. His strengths um, cover up my weaknesses and, and my strengths can complement him as well. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. One of the people that you met was a leader there in Nigeria who had been shot, literally shot in the face. Uh, Tell us a little bit about his story and then tell us what it meant to you to be able to sit down with him and just hear his testimony. The interesting thing about this man, he wasn't some powerful evangelist. He wasn't some well-known person in his community. He was just a humble banker and uh, faithfully serving God in a very quiet community, really had strong conviction about being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. He told us that he worked faithfully for 12 years and never once received a pay raise because he was in a community that was really held captive by the Islamic people. It was an Islamic um society, and Christians in those society are treated as second and third class citizens. So he'd gone 12 years without a raise. Even though he was a highly educated man, people with lower education there uh, had um, authority or a favor in job situation more than he did. And then one night, uh, he was, him and his wife were going to bed, they were praying, and they saw a flashlight outside their window. They didn't know what it was. They went, they heard a knock on the door. They said it was the Nigerian police. When he opened the parlor door, there were radical Islamic Boko Haram people with AK-47s. And they came into his home. And they proceeded to ask him about his career. And then they specifically asked him, are you a Christian or are you a Muslim? This man said, I am a Christian, and I will die a Christian. The Muslim man looked to his wife, and he asked her, would you reason with this stubborn fellow? 
And because she, they all knew what the reason with him meant was to deny his faith in Jesus Christ. His wife stood there quietly and just prayed for him, and he knew that she was praying for him. The guy, the radical, asked him one more time, will you deny your faith in Jesus Christ or we will kill you? He says, I will not deny my faith in Christ. I will die as a Christian. He, he told us he hardly got the words out of his mouth, and they shot him in the face with an AK-47. He laid on the floor and he bled for probably several minutes. And while he was bleeding and the he said the radical jumped on his legs and pushed his back. They, they wanted to see if he would move or if there was any movements, maybe to put another bullet in the back of his head, but he didn't move. His jaw was blown open and um, there was a pool of blood on the floor. When they left, his wife continued to pray and she had the why God prayer. Why God did this? Did you have these people come and shoot my husband? I'm pregnant and my children won't have a daddy. And and then she went from that to a place where she she started reflecting on his life. And she said, you know, God, I knew he was a soldier in the kingdom of God. But now I know that he's a general. He's a general for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, uh, when she, when we heard that quote, you know, here was just a simple brother, an accountant, just faithfully serving Christ. He wasn't some big known evangelist person, just a faithful believer in the Lord Jesus. And it is an amazing story. What an incredible example. But talk a little bit about his son, because I think, uh, you know, there's there's the forgiveness that our brothers and sisters show, but then sometimes there's a natural response. And I think his son's response was pretty natural, uh, even if it's not necessarily the one you're hoping for. But talk a little bit about what his son said. That is the other part of this story, because this man, although he said he was willing to die for the, the name of Christ, he didn't die. And in a miraculous way, God spared his life. After hours of uh, being on the floor bleeding, he went to the hospital. They ran tests, and he said all of his blood work tests came back normal. He was surprised, and even doctors in the hospital left him for dead, but God had another plan for him. So he, this man has traveled the world sharing his story with others, but even as we were visiting with him, he said he realizes that he has another kind of work to do inside his home. When the Muslim doctor saw the miraculous healing, he told this brother who was shot, would you pray for me? <laughs> and so he definitely saw a pow the power of God, a miraculous thing happen in this brother that was shot. And he even said, I don't even want to be paid for wow. the medical assistance that I gave because I was so touched by how God moved on behalf of this very simple man. Pretty amazing when a Muslim doctor says that. Uh, per pretty amazing. He saw it. That was his own testimony. Going back to uh, this incident with his boy, if I could take you to the kitchen or the parlor where Habila was shot in the face by an AK-47. You, you know, you have a picture of a man whose side of his face was blown off. 
And because there were uh, radical Muslims, Boko Haram in this area, uh, the other people in the community would not help him. So he laid there the entire night for eight hours bleeding on the floor. Well, guess who was there with his daddy? There was a little boy named David. David laid there, or I'm sure he was by his daddy's side all night long, seeing his dad bleed with this big hole in the side of his face. Later on, after this miraculous healing that we spoke about, uh, David and his father were in the marketplace and they were doing some shopping. And David saw a camouflage shirt. It was like an army shirt. And David said to his father, he said, Father, would you buy me that shirt? And his father said, well, why, son? Why do you want that shirt? He says, because I want to join the army and I want to kill those guys that shot you in the face. Then he turned to his mother and he said, Mother, please buy me that shirt. And she said, why, David? She goes, because I want to kill those guys who shot daddy. And, you know, in our natural response, we think, you know what? A little boy traumatized by seeing the blood, the, the wound, and the anger of just laying there, the, the fear, the doubt. You know, as a young boy, after he, David spoke to his father about the shirt, his father said, well, son, maybe you would want to be a doctor and save lives and not kill people. And David said, oh, no, I want to kill people. Then this brother who was shot later on realized that he had a greater work, although he worked as an accountant outside the home. He had a greater spiritual work inside his home with his son. David had asked him, Father, did you forgive those guys that shot you in the face? And his father said, yes, son, I did forgive them. And he went to the scriptures where he talked, where Jesus said to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. And so his father led him in a prayer of forgiveness right on that spot. And then sometime later, his father said, David, do you still want to be a soldier? And David said, no, dad, I want to be a doctor and I want to help people and bring life and not take life. And so this is such a contrast to, you know, the, the radical Islamic people that are slaughtering people and taking life after life, where the heart of Christ, the heart of the gospel is to bring life and, and bring life and have it more abundantly. And it's perfectly portrayed through this young boy, David, by the way, he's eight years old now. And he's still by his daddy's side. And his daddy is still showing him the way of eternal life through Jesus. So it's a, it's a powerful story. Ray and Denise, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a great blessing. Thanks, Todd. It was a, an honor to be here with, uh, to share with you and the listeners. As we close our time this week, I want to encourage our listeners to pray for Nigeria. After our conversation with Ray and Denise, I think there are two important ways that we can pray. First, pray for our brothers and sisters facing this kind of intense persecution. Pray they will be strong in their faith and faithful in their witness, even in very difficult circumstances. Secondly, let's not forget to pray for the persecutors. Pray Boko Haram members and other Muslims in Nigeria will come to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. 
Let's ask God for more Saul to Paul stories of those hunting and harming Christians getting saved by God's grace and becoming bold witnesses for him. Thank you for being with us this week on VOM Radio. Please visit us online at vomradio.net to hear other episodes, to share this interview with your friends, or to leave a comment or question for us to answer on the air. If you tweet about this episode, use the hashtag VOMRadio. You can also call our comment line at 1-800-757-5069, online at vomradio.net, or toll-free at 1-800-757-5069. Thanks for being with us. I hope you'll join us next week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.